0: Hi folks, it's Rob from the Space Monkey X Audio Workshop. For a few years, I wrote, produced, and hosted a podcast called When You Hear This Sound, a show about the weird and wonderful world of read-along record books and storybook vinyl. As my life got more and more hectic, the episodes became fewer and farther between, until finally I stopped production in April of 2016. I've decided to include these old episodes as part of the Space Monkey X Audio Workshop, not only because I'm pretty proud of them, but because I would like to occasionally put out new when you hear this sound episodes under the Audio Workshop banner. I still have well over 100 read-along record books in my collection, and there are a few whose story behind the story would be well worth telling. As you listen to these old episodes, please note that the show notes will not be as extensive as they originally were. The websites where the podcast was hosted are long gone, as are the original show notes. So if you want to know more about something I mentioned in the episode, check the Audio Workshop's website, spacemonkeyx.net, but you may need to do a little googling on your own. However, if there is a book included with the record, you will be able to find scans of it at the website. So please enjoy this archived episode of When You Hear This Sound, and be sure to look for new ventures into vinyl here at the Space Monkey X Audio Workshop in the future.
1: Hello, boys and girls. I'm your Peter Pan Storyteller. This is the story of The Last Starfighter. This is the story of Gremlins. This is the story of Tron. This is the story of Raiders of the Lost Ark. This is the story of the Empire Strikes Back. You can read along with me in your book. You can follow the story along with me. Every time you hear this sound. Every time you hear this sound. Turn the pages when you hear this sound. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the computer sound like this. (laughs) Let's begin, let's begin, now. Yo, Joe! He'll fight for freedom wherever there's trouble. G.I. Joe is there! G.I. Joe! American hero! G.I. Joe is there! It's G.I. Joe against...
0: If that song is familiar to you, then you probably have fond memories of getting home from school, throwing your backpack in the corner, grabbing some fruit by the foot or Dunkaroos, and plopping down in front of the television to watch. Joe. Now, normally, this is where I'd tell you all about the history of G.I. Joe, but I'm not going to do that this time. For that, I'm going to point you to an in depth piece I recently wrote for Mental Floss magazine that covers the history of the 1980s franchise. So if you've ever wondered where Snake Eyes got his start, why Cobra Law happened in the first place, I'll put a link to the story in the show notes. Instead of that, I'd tell you the story of a boy and his mother bonding over America's highly trained special missions force, whose purpose is defending human freedom against Cobra, a ruthless terrorist organization determined to rule the world. Toy company Hasbro released the three and three-quarter inch G.I. Joe toy line, as well as the tie-in comic from Marvel in the summer of 1982. I remember getting G.I. Joe number 22 sometime in 1985. I was homesick from school, so my mom bought a grab bag of Marvel Comics that included three or four issues of different titles. These grab bags were pretty common back in the spinner rack days as a way to dispose of overstocked issues. I read number 22, but it wasn't anything special to me at the time, so it wound up in a stack of magazines that I kept on a shelf in my closet. But a year later, my mom told me that I needed to go through this ever-accumulating pile of periodicals and get rid of some. And it was there, sitting on my bedroom floor surrounded by scattered issues of Three to One Contact, Ranger Rick, Mad Magazine, and Cracked, That I found this two year old issue of G.I. Joe. At the time, my friends and I were just starting to really get into comics, and I'd been searching for a title that would get me hooked. I'd tried X Men, Fantastic Four, Iron Man, Captain America, but everything superhero was just too fantastical for me. I was looking for something more realistic, more grounded, and the integration of real life military terms and weapons into G.I. Joe by series writer Larry Hama was just enough to get my attention. All of my friends thought I was nuts. 1986 saw the publication of Watchmen, The Dark Knight Returns, the Mutant Massacre storyline in the X-Men, plus Frank Miller's run-on Daredevil began, and here I was preferring to read a comic book that was created to sell action figures. Action figures I didn't even collect, because I was so heavily into Star Wars. But nonetheless, I became obsessed by the rich story, fascinating characters, and exciting action of G.I. Joe. I immediately jumped into the ongoing continuity of the title with issue number 35, and then the next few years were spent reading every new issue while scouring comic book shops for back issues. And through all of this, there was my mom.
1: Boy, what a great campsite! Yeah, here's more wood for the fire. No, my clothes are on fire! Run for the stream! Don't run! Here, let me wrap this around you. You okay? Lucky thing you were around, spirit. Lucky thing you didn't run. Remember, running only makes the fire worse. If your clothes catch fire, wrap yourself in a rug or blanket. And roll on the ground to smother the flames. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. GI
0: My mom had always been very supportive of my weird nerdy hobbies. From my early fascination with dinosaurs to those adventures in a galaxy far, far away, mom was always there. She'd helped me organize my baseball cards, she bought Star Wars figures as a reward for a good report card, and even though she thought they were gross, she'd let me buy garbage pail kids. She picked up art supplies to encourage my drawing, and we very rarely went to a bookstore where I didn't come home with something new to read and she's the main person who drove me to the two comic book shops in our area, the Funny Book Factory and Rocket Ship Ranch, to look for back issues of G.I. Joe. I know a big part of her supporting me in these endeavors was the fact that, as a child, she didn't really have the opportunity to pursue many hobbies. The whole story of her tragic childhood is far too lengthy to tell here, but she grew up in a household with three young girls being raised by a single mother in the 1940s. Money was tight, so frivolous things like toys and comic books were a very rare pleasure. So to my mother, digging through long boxes to find a copy of G.I. Joe number 13 wasn't just about supporting my hobby. It was about giving me something that she never had, a childhood. Sure, I mowed the lawn, took out the trash, and helped my dad around the farm, but for the most part, my preteen days were spent reading comic books, watching Time Bandits on Betamax, and reenacting scenes from Star Wars with my army of action figures. I was never spoiled, I didn't get everything I wanted, like the Ad Ad or Castle Grayskull, but I got more than I probably deserved. But to my mom, seeing the excitement in my eyes when she paid for a stack of back issues or the way my mouth dropped when I unwrapped the Mint GI Joe number 1 my parents gave me for my 12th birthday. It was a way of living vicariously, to experience the joy that she never knew. Eventually I grew out of GI Joe, leaving the series behind in 1989 right around issue number 89. By that time the GI Joe toy line was grasping at straws, trying to remain relevant despite pressure from the insanely popular teenage mutant ninja turtles toys. The Joe toys became much more fantastic and some of that bled over into the comic with the introduction of Battle Force 2000, a team of Joes that used experimental spacecraft and impossible weaponry to battle Cobra. As I watched the fairly grounded military world I'd grown to love slip away, I stopped collecting G.I. Joe and moved on to other things, just as I was entering high school. When I got my driver's license, I also got a part-time job, so I relied on my parents less and less to support my interests. I still read comic books, but had shifted to the gritty Mirage Comics version of those heroes in a half-shell instead. I started playing more Dungeons & Dragons because I could afford to buy the Dungeon Master's Guide and Monster Manual. I started building a collection of VHS movies, and I was buying tapes and CDs of rap music groups like Public Enemy and NWA. My G.I. Joe comics sat in a long box in the back of my closet, beloved and appreciated, but mostly forgotten.
1: Walk away slowly. He tried to bite me. Never try to pet an animal you don't know. He may be lost, sick, or scared. You mean he might be dangerous. That's right. If we don't know,
0: we leave him alone.
1: And we don't get bit. Now I know.
0: And no one is half the battle. Joe! When
1: my mom died in
0: 1996, I was only 21 years old. The cancer that had gone into remission years before had come back quickly and with a vengeance. I knew her death was imminent, but that doesn't mean I was prepared for it. How could I be? I hadn't done anything yet in life. I wasn't married, I didn't have kids, I hadn't even graduated from college. And yet, here I was, standing at her graveside, totally numb, because I couldn't wrap my brain around what was happening to me. I struggled for years afterwards, flailing for solid ground, but instead drowning in a deep depression that I hid from everyone, even myself. I think it was an article on X Entertainment, arguably one of the most influential nostalgia websites in internet history, that brought me back to G.I. Joe in 1999. I don't remember the specific article, but it somehow referenced G.I. Joe and made me long for the days when I was digging through back issues with my mother. I pulled that long box out of the back of the closet and started flipping through the issues. I even looked at the mint copy of G.I. Joe No. 1 that had been only taken out of the bag once or twice before. I hadn't kept up with the comic book, and I assumed it was like Fantastic Four or Spider-Man by then, a comic whose history was so extensive that it would be impossible to jump back into the continuity after so many years away. In fact, I didn't even know that the comic had been cancelled in 1994, with issue number 155. But with this knowledge, that there was an end date to the series that I loved so much as a child, I suddenly had a mission, to complete the collection.
1: We shouldn't be in here, let's go. Okay, follow me. What's the matter, you chicken? I can't jump that far. Okay chicken, I'm leaving you here. Use your head, Sally. Lady J. There's nothing chicken about being smart if you stop and think there's almost always a better way. i use this plank. That's using your head. Instead of losing it, now I know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe!
0: It took me a few years of shopping at comic book stores, a handful of eBay auctions, and even traveling to a couple of comic book conventions. But I finally completed my run of the Marvel G.I. Joe comics. I had finished what my mom and I had started all those years before, and I won't lie, I cried when I opened that package from eBay that held the final issue I needed. I thought about how excited she would have been for me, for us. I still have those comic books sitting in the same long box, all still bagged and boarded. They're not all in great shape, because I actually read them over and over again. However, I've still only looked at that Mint number 1 a handful of times. In doing research for the Metal Floss article, I reconnected with G.I. Joe, even traveling to Springfield, Illinois this year to attend the annual Joe Con International Convention. Why? For the same reason we all indulge in our nostalgic appetites, to find something that I lost a long time ago. Whether that was the G.I. Joe franchise, or in some small way my mother... I honestly couldn't tell you. But it was good to be around people who saw what I saw in those real American heroes. Plus, it recently occurred to me that I never bought the European missions, the reprints of Marvel's British G.I. Joe comic, Action Force. So technically, my collection isn't quite complete until I get those last 18 issues. Unfortunately, no one at the con had any, but I know I'll find them someday. Maybe with a little help from above.
1: Want to paint your name? Eh, uh, no thanks. What are you, a sissy? Prove your you now, or we'll tell everybody. I just don't feel right about it. Right on. Please! It's hard not to follow the crowd, but sometimes that path is just a dead end. I knew I was right. Yeah, I'm with you. Me too. Remember, listen to yourself. Because I know what's best for me. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe!
0: If you'll recall from episode number four, The Amazing Adventures of Pac-Man... Kid Stuff Records was a fairly fly-by-night operation. They somehow had licenses to all the great 1980s franchises, Transformers, Strawberry Shortcake, He-Man, and yes, G.I. Joe, just to name a few. But their record book productions were so cut-rate that they're usually disappointing to listen to. Sadly, today's G.I. Joe record, Castle of the Doomed, is no exception. Although there had been an animated G.I. Joe miniseries in 1983, a year before this record was released, Kid Stuff opted not to use the same voice actors for this record. Instead, they pulled from their stable of actors, some you recognize from the Pac-Man album, to give us new and, uh, interesting interpretations of Doc, Duke, Scarlet, and Cobra Commander, among others. The acting is, quite frankly, atrocious. Granted, the script they have to work with makes some of the later episodes of the cartoon look like Shakespeare. Much like the Pac-Man album, there's a lot of filler on Castle of the Doomed, moments where no one's talking, but the sound effects and constant background music just sort of linger, almost like the whole thing is recorded in one take and someone missed their cue. In addition, the mix on this album, like the Pac-Man one, is just off in some spots. As the first side ends, you can barely hear what's happening. I've tried to crank things up a little bit, but it's still not entirely clear what's going on. But at least the theme music is the same as it was for the cartoon. However, it feels totally empty without the voiceover work of Jackson Beck to tell us about America's daring, highly trained special mission force. But it is at least familiar in a fun alternate take that's worth hearing one time. Instead, you'll get to hear it three times, as they look for ways to fill out a 20-minute production that only has about 10 minutes of story. This wasn't the only G.I. Joe adventure produced by Kid Stuff. They also released three record books, A Captive City, Challenge of the Clones, and The Deadly Satellite, as well as a couple of cassette-only releases, Cobra Strikes and Destro's Doomsday Auction, some of which are actually fairly rare and demand a high price on the collector's market. Even though I haven't exactly talked this album up, it's still worth listening to, even if just for the moments that make you say, what the hell? With voice acting that is this terrible, storyline that is this flat, and production that is this haphazard, The whole thing winds up being so bad it's good. It's worth enjoying ironically, just like those reruns of the G.I. Joe cartoon you tried to watch a couple of years ago, but gave up on after only the first three or four, when you realize that some things are best left in the fond memories of childhood. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy Kid Stuff Records' 1984 release, G.I. Joe, Castle of the Doomed. Bottom
1: against Cobra and Destro fighting to save the day He never gives up He's always there Fighting for freedom over land and air Stay till the fight's won. G.I. Joe will dare. G.I. A real American hero. G.I. Joe is there. G.I. A real American hero. G.I. Joe is there. G. I. A real American hero. G.I. Joe
2: is there. Hello everyone. This is Duke. One of the G.I. Joe's special forces, here to tell you a fantastic tale of an adventure that actually happened to our team of commandos on our last mission. Hawk called on us one afternoon in our underground headquarters below Staten Island while we were relaxing. Hawk, what's up? Afternoon,
3: gentlemen. (coughs) Oh, sorry, Scarlet and uh, Lady. This new mission has got the Pentagon baffled. Nothing's too big a challenge for the G.I. Joes. Well, I'm glad you feel that way, Rock and Roll, because this one's a doozy. Would you believe a genuine haunted castle secluded high in the mountains of Montana? Aw, come on, Hawk. I'm not kidding, Breaker. The people in the nearby village are hearing strange noises at night and seeing lights flicker and dim. Why, that old place was supposed to be deserted for years. If I might ask, Hawk, What's all this nonsense got to do with the G.I. Joes? Yeah, in the cops. Sure, or a palm reader. <laughs> <laughs> this is no laughing matter. Our high-altitude reconnaissance readings show an unbelievable amount of radioactivity from the castle area.
2: So that's how Doc, Breaker, Rock and Roll, Zap, Snake Eyes, and me ended up in a small restaurant near Glacier Park at the tip of the Rocky Mountains, asking questions.
1: You don't want to go up there,
3: mister. Weird things go on around that old place.
2: Yep, some folks say it's haunted. It sounds like some old vampire movie. Yeah, don't say we didn't warn you. As we headed on foot up the twisting pathway that led to the castle gates, even Zap was finding it hard to make jokes about the dark, foreboding castle that lay ahead. <laughs> Two gigantic turrets on either side of the main entry looked like giants, but the door it pushed open easily. It was dark and cold and dank-smelling inside the castle. And once in a while even a tough dog-face like myself can catch an occasional chill. Ooh. I guess that's why even my teeth were chattery a bit when we heard the noise. Hey, I'm not crazy. You guys did hear that, right?
3: Hey, aim your light down this way, Breaker,
2: and stay behind Snake Eyes.
3: Look, a room up ahead. Some sort of library.
2: Looks pretty normal to me. Just a lot of old books and dusty papers. Yeah, and your everyday hidden passages. Listen to the hollow
3: noise behind this part of the wall. Okay, you guys, who took my flashlight? I left it right on that table. What table?
2: Oh, great. Now things are starting to disappear. Pretty eerie, huh, Snake Eyes? Of course, Snake Eyes just nodded. No one's ever heard him say anything. And then he proceeded to explore the hallway on his own. Suddenly, the lights went out, and a horrible ghost appeared, or at least it seemed to, right before our eyes. (laughs) Holy hell.
3: Take it easy, rock and roll. Boy, it looks like a carnival ride in this place. It just can't be for real. And, 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 wh- and what about those rooms coming from the two towers? Well, why don't we just go see? Hey, Snake Eyes! Snake Eyes! Hey, where is that guy?
2: I don't know,
3: but there's a stairway over there, and I'm gonna see what's in that tower.
2: And we're going with you. At the top of the stairway was another enormous stairway but it only went downstairs, and then the dark, musty hallways began to twist and turn and double back on themselves. We went in circles for a long time before Breaker found the way to a faraway light. Quietly, we crept up onto what was the upper level of the castle's dungeon. Only this was more than a dungeon. Inside the room were 30 or 40 people, all sitting at monitors. TV screens, computer terminals, rows of buttons and dials. Why, these were rocket controls. This was a missile control station. And even more frightening was the figure that was in control of the operation. Look, it's our old enemy, Cobra Commander.
3: All this haunted house stuff was just to keep the villagers away.
2: Don't you see? Those missiles, they're the two towers of this very castle. No one else would ever think of disguising above-ground missiles in such a brilliant way.
1: I'm so glad you think my little castle is clever, G.I. Joe's, because soon those rockets will launch you fooled into outer space where you belong.
3: Can't I take care of them now, Cobra? I I can just whip up a little drink for our visitors. (laughs) Something sweet, but not too sweet. Almonds,
1: perhaps. (laughs) Very creative, Dr. Venom. But I like my way the best. Orbiting Earth forever. Take them away!
2: You'd better not be pushing me, creep.
1: You're a fine one to threaten me, Duke. I've got you all now. Do you know how long I've waited for this
2: moment? Yeah, and what have you done with Snake Eyes? I
3: I thought he was still with you. Well, then at least one of us made it.
2: Not possible. Every exit is mined. The floors and the walls are full of booby traps. Why, I've even got a mole with a killer alligator down below this castle. Escape? Never! Nobody could! Yeah, but nobody else is like snake eyes. Even though we were all confident that somehow we could save the day, at least I was sure of it. The Cobra's commandos placed us all in the castle dungeon's original instruments of persuasion. Racks and cages are not a G.I. Joe's idea of a good time, especially when all around you there's a countdown that would, if Cobra Commander had his way, launch all of us G.I. Joes into orbit around the universe forever. The guards were coming to put us into the missiles right now as the voice came from the computer. Boy, if the Joes were going to make a move, it would have to be soon. There's something I don't like about outer space. And besides, I was getting hungry.
1: Hungry? Did, did one of you Jaws say... Hungry?
3: Cobra Commander. What do you say? Maybe I could whip them up a little something to wet their appetites. <laughs> per- perhaps it's time for that yellow mixture of mine. <laughs> it worked so well before. And, and, and maybe we could put them all in the cages again. The little cages.
2: one of those days when things just weren't going your way? There we were, the G.I. Joe's, some real American heroes. Well, we didn't look so heroic in cages and chained to tables, I can tell you. And hearing the countdown in progress as the entire castle began to slowly rumble with the sound of the rocket engines from the towers, that didn't help our mood either. Cobra Commander's guards began to unlock our cages and loosen our chains. We were going to be led away into the spaceships for a journey far into infinity. Not my idea of a good time. What we needed was a miracle. Up, up and down the twisting passageways of the Cobra Commander's castle. We were being led up, up into the castle, still chained together, arms and ankles up, up past the ammunition depots and the huge master bedroom which was now being used for torture instead of slumber. That room, that room with the jeweled headboard that must belong to the Baroness. And everywhere, everywhere we looked there's spiders. And once, once or twice I think I even saw a rat. Oh, no. I hate rats. Those stones, the large stones of the castle walls, they're dripping with moisture. We must be under the moat, if the smell is any indication. This is a nightmare. I don't believe it. It's so clammy. It's so creepy. Oh, oh, how I wish snake eyes were here. Where is that
3: guy? Holy Hannah, look who's here. It's Snake Eyes, Snake Eyes.
2: I thought you were dead. As we looked up in astonishment, Snake Eyes swang down from a hanging electrical cable right over the heads of the Cobra Commandos and smack into the Cobra Commander himself. The guards ran to their leader's aid and that split second was all that we needed to take advantage of our captors. It was a short scuffle. And soon, Cobra Commander and his cohorts were our prisoners. What good will having me do when my
1: rockets destroy your feeble little cities, my silly friends? Can't you hear the countdown continuing? Oh, no!
2: We're too late! The entire castle began to shake, as if we were inside an erupting volcano. On the TV monitors, we could clearly see what was happening. The turrets of the haunted castle, the very towers themselves, were lifting off the ground with tremendous force. Yes, we blew it. You fools.
3: Maybe not, Cobra Commander.
2: Don't count your chickens. We watched the monitor screen of the giant missiles suddenly both changed directions and began heading directly toward each other. What? This is impossible! The missiles smashed into each other with an explosion that rocked even the stone walls of the castle, although the blast must have been hundreds of miles into space.
1: Wow, that was great! I wonder how that
3: happened. What do you think, Doc? Even miracles need a helping hand, Zap. Huh? While the struggle was going on, I changed a couple of settings on the navigational manual override system, that's all. No applause, please.
2: Thanks, Doc. You just saved thousands of lives, including ours. Now, all we had to do was figure out a way through that dreadful maze we encountered on our way into this creepy dump. Making sure Cobra Commander and his slippery friends didn't give the slip to us.
3: Hey, we forgot to turn off the special effects! What's the matter, Zap? Still got the creeps about this haunted house? Nah, I just can't see where I'm going, that's all. Oh, where's the lights? I
1: can't- Oh, 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 look out! Watch out! Oh, look out! And that, my G.I. Joe friends, is exactly what I needed to hear! The tables turn
2: again! The next thing we knew, The Cobra Commander, Dr. Venom, and several other high mucky mucks of nastiness had located a secret panel hidden along the wall of the dimly lit tunnel. We tried to stop him, believe me, but as we began to follow into the secret passage, the massive brick wall swung closed, and although we hunted for a button or an unusual trick entryway, the wall stayed right where it was, and our old nemesis had given us the slip after all.
3: Oh, nuts. I thought we had him at last. Well, at least we've got our work cut out for us as long as Cobra Commander's on the loose.
2: Yeah, you wouldn't want to sit around with nothing to do now, would you, Zap? Listen,
3: rock and roll. There are enough creeps around for us Joes to deal with as it is. Hey, listen up, you two. We still have to find our way out of here with the prisoners we
2: still have left. We've got priorities here, and we don't need any of your bellyaching. Any idea where we are, Duke? I think I've got a hunk of daylight spotted at about 10 o'clock, Doc. Once we get out of this cave, we can get the choppers on our radios. Phony or not, those sound effect tapes are beginning to drive me batty. Fortunately for me, I was right about that sliver of light. It was a direct route to the way out in the fresh air again. That first breath of fresh air was about the nicest thing I ever tasted. Breaker got on the wireless pronto to Wild Bill, who brought the choppers around. Hey, I see you've got some prisoners. Let's get them on board. Anything happen in that funny looking house? (laughs) Doc and I just looked at each other and started to laugh. And soon, all of the Joes, thinking about how a scrape we had all just come through together, started to laugh, too. In a minute, even Wild Bill was laughing, and he didn't even know why. Only Snake Eyes kept his secret vow.
1: Say, are you guys all right? Headquarters to Wild Bill. What's going on over there? Over. (laughs) I'm
3: not sure, Scarlet. I think we're going to hear some exciting stories as soon as we can shuttle these guys back to base. Over.
1: Well, hurry on, back flyboy.
3: Headquarters over and up.
2: So the prisoners were loaded into the choppers, and we made a stop at a federal hospitality center before we flew back to our base where Hawk was waiting.
3: Congratulations, men. <clears throat> oh, and Scarlett, a job well done. Thank you, sir. Now this is one G.I. Joe that's going to sleep for about five days. Right, well you mean after your next assignment in Niagara Falls. What next assignment? (laughs) Fellas, I wouldn't ordinarily ask you this, but but the balls appear to be actually drying up. Wait Uh, a minute. I've got this feeling about the Cobra and the Baroness. (laughs) Joe's, wait, where where are you going? Joe's, Uh, this uh, is uh, an order. Sorry, sir, I'm just following Snake Eyes and it doesn't look like he wants another assignment today. When Snake Eyes
2: gave Hawk that icy stare of his, even Hawk had to admit that a day or two off certainly couldn't hurt anything. You see, even G.I. Joes need to keep rested so our bodies can stay physically fit. That way, when you need us, we'll always be ready. Heck, we're ready for anything. We stay tough, and we keep our minds and bodies healthy. Say, that's what you should be doing too. Well, that wraps up this particular adventure. But be sure to join us next time for more exciting action, along with your pals, the G.I. Joes.
1: he will fight for freedom wherever there's trouble, G.I. Joe is there, G.I. Joe, the American hero, G.I. Joe is there, G.I. Joe against Cobra and Destro, fighting to save the day, he never gives up, he's always there, fighting for freedom over land and air.